You should be the host here. I'm really laughing at you. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Welcome along to episode 13 of the Red 78 podcast, the home of everything monster rugby here on the Rugby Channel with me, Alan Quinlan, and of course, Neil Briggs. Don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts on all things Monster. You can tweet us at the Rugby Channel or search the Rugby Channel on YouTube and leave a comment. And of course, to subscribe to the podcast, just search for the Red 78. You'll get the podcast straight to your phone every week. Uh, Neve, we managed to avoid a COVID cancellation this week, but um, with that game at the sports ground, is there any part of you wishing it was cancelled? <laughs> I think it... it uh, Certainly from a monster point of view, look, we've got, first of all, we've got to say well done, Connacht. Um, they were brilliant. Um, it was We said it last week as well, it was going to be a difficult game. Um, but from a monster point of view, it was really, really poor, I think. And that's been echoed in comments online, text messages I've got, people calling me on the phone, people I meet in the street. Um, quite a frustrating disappointing performance from Munster overall. And I mean that respectfully to Connacht. They were probably disappointed with some aspects of their game as well, but that was really poor stuff from Munster, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, very disappointing in terms of the type of game and how the game went about. I thought both teams weren't very good, to be honest. I didn't think it was a very good game. It's kind of a scrappy stop start. And this niggle that's crept into the Munster Connacht um, in provincial derbies for the last few games, maybe the last couple of years, um, was really at a point of, that it could have, could have you know, exploded. I thought there was a huge amount of niggle off the ball. And neither team got going. I think that was probably the biggest disappointment of all. I think um, Munster did well to score eight points, really. Um, and Connacht... Um, left a huge amount of chances behind them. So uh, it just wasn't really a good game for the for the neutral supporter, but not so much in an even worse game for a Munster supporter, I think. Okay, so we've got to we've got to talk about this in depth and we've got to be honest and, and give our give our opinion on it. And we can't hide away from the fact um, that there were so many parts of, of Munster's game and and I was really disappointed. They didn't seem to fire a shot um, in attack. There was no energy, no intensity about their performance. And I'm sure they knew beforehand that they, you know, they were a big scalp for Connacht. We said that last week. We also said there'd be niggle in the game. You've got Sammy Arnold, Connor Oliver, Alex Wooden, um, Munster guys who guys who played Munster and are up there, and they're probably a little bit little bit bitter disappointed with the way things went in Munster and and they're thriving in Connacht and doing really well so it didn't surprise me that there was niggle um but I just cannot understand and when we say don't fire a shot that doesn't mean that you kind of throw the ball around willy-nilly you have to have a game plan going to the sports ground to be to play in the right areas and and you're going to be under a lot of pressure they get great energy at home, the Connacht players, and they were really up for this one. It was disappointing that Munster didn't seem to be aggressive. And a lot of the time you talk about the, the shouting and the screaming from both sides, which, to be honest, I think it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to, 
to listen to to adult rugby players screaming and jeering. Um, people may challenge me on that, but I, it was something I never did. I was always involved in some bit of niggle or put pressure or psychological warfare. But when you get a decision like a turnover or somebody knocks on the ball from the opposition, the screaming and the shouting from both sets of players was embarrassing. And that needs to stop. Saracens were the ones that that really kind of made a conscious decision a number of years ago to start doing that stuff. And it's not, it's, it shouldn't be part of the game. Um, I think the referee had a difficult job. Um, Chris Busby, he obviously had, there was a bit of controversy in the game in October down in Limerick and, and this was going to be a difficult game for him. Some decisions that we talk about um, in a few minutes, but overall, I just thought, and I'll say it straight from my point of view, that is not good enough from a monster team for for you know for the players to put on a jersey and you know game plans are one thing and and we can be critical of the coaches and the structure and I didn't see any sort of a game plan I didn't really know what they were trying to do um, themselves were at times more interesting interested in talking and getting involved in niggle than actually putting in a tackle, putting in a carry, doing something positive for the team. And they need to have a good, long, hard look at themselves now because the mitigation was there for Cass last week, but this was coming. If you go out and play a game in Europe and you have a poor performance like they had last week or a couple of weeks ago in Thorn Park, um, you win the game. It happens. Don't get me wrong. It happens to teams. And it happened to me when I was playing. But there has to be a reaction. It doesn't guarantee you the results. But I hope people understand when I say reaction. It's an energetic, aggressive action. And we didn't see that. And that's the big worry for me. Um, a lot of people are talking about the attack and the lack of ambition to hold on to the ball. Um, we'll go through the stats in a minute. But from an attitude point of view, I think it was all wrong by the players. And the coaches have to take blame as well. They've got to take ownership. Johan spoke afterwards and... Um, he spoke about they put their heart and souls into the game. I find that difficult to see and understand what he means by that. And I don't mean to be insulting to him, but I didn't see any heart and soul from the players. Um, rugby can be overcomplicated at times and you need a structure, but that was that was really dreadful stuff for Munster. And uh, one thing Declan Kidney, back in, in when I played, um, always said, the most frustrating thing for him is if 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 the team didn't go out with fight and an edge to him, and that was really important. And that should be a standard for Munster that even if they're beaten by a better side and a more ambitious side, or you know you can get luck in games, that just wasn't good enough from a psychological, mental point of view at the weekend from the players. And they've got to look at themselves seriously um, going ahead to next week. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so many facets in that, Quinny. I think <clears throat> big thing for, for a lot of those players is the problem. Did, did, did you see heart and soul, uh, like Johan said, in the, in the players? Oh, look, I see, see fight, Quinny. You're not going to stand up. And well, the, the, only one, the only one, two, I saw two players, John Klein before he went off and Finneen Witcherly. I didn't see it from I anyone know, else. I think you're just going down a road there now that's in terms of nobody goes out to... In I game under, absolutely. Out and, I, absolutely. I understand there's, that. There's a couple of things there for me is that... So, 
majority of those players, believe it or not, have not played since before the Autumn Internationals. Right. So that that's that's one thing out of the way. So rustiness energy wise, that's 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 like a mitigating factor for me. On top of that, give away 17 penalties and the penalties were absolutely appalling. That for me was a huge big thing from that game. Because Dave, I'm when go, you're I'm playing... gonna stop I'm gonna stop you for one sec. I'm not saying the players didn't try. So I'm not I'm not saying that they weren't trying. But collectively, they've got to create their own energy and their own intensity as a group and realize that you're in a game here, that you've got a lucky try, you've got a break, um, you haven't had much of the ball, you've made a couple of mistakes. They defended very, very manfully. We'll give That's the only positive, I think. The I defense mean, was good. You're jumping in before I'm even finishing. like. Yeah, but yeah. I'm trying to say, I'm not, I'm not saying the players didn't try. But if when you put on a jersey in Munster jersey, Eve, there has to be more fight in you, and I didn't see that. I, I'm you're you're just I'm a hundred percent green in terms of what you're saying. I'm just saying that you can't gain momentum, you can't gain, um, you know, time on the ball if you're going to give away seventeen penalties or eighteen penalties. You actually can't, and that's an individual responsibility. That's not a collective thing. That's not a coaching thing. That's a individually putting your hands into places that you shouldn't be putting them in at the breakdown, stupid stuff like balls over the other side of the pitch and you're so indisciplined that you're offside on the other side of the pitch. Like they're really poor momentum breakers. And for Munster, for me, the weekend, that ill discipline just rippled throughout the whole team. It was shocking. Like, and they were just so bad in terms of the type of penalties that were they were giving away. It wasn't even smart stuff like you know living on the edge they were blatant they were poor and you can't you're 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 handing momentum back you're handing the ball back to Connacht at times that were crucial and you're putting them into positions where like that first Connacht try like I like Delan went ahead of and that was going to be a try for me you know the the Connacht the penalty that Delan months Connacht marched months down with four consecutive penalties before that like you, you can't do that at this level because you're going to be punished. And I just think that that from that perspective, it was just incredibly, incredibly disappointing. Okay, so let's look at some of the stats here. And sometimes stats can skew the picture um, because obviously if Munster scored before half time, we talk about that in a minute. Well, it wouldn't really matter if they didn't have much ball in the second half because, you know, I've been myself in games where you can defend and you can contain and you can protect the scoreline. 63% possession, Connacht, 37, Munster. 66% Connacht, Territory, 34, Munster. That kind of tells a picture that Connacht were the dominant side and probably could have won this game by more. Um, the penalties you spoke about, um, 18 to 12, that's alarming, really. If you go north of 10, 12 penalties in any game, you're, you're, the chances are you're going to be on the losing side. So, so think of that there for a second, like that's 30 penalties. Imagine how much time was lost to the stop-start nature. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like Munster, for me, on the two or three occasions that we saw a really good play from the first half of the season was with tempo and intensity. If you're going to be your, the creator of your own downfall by giving away so many penalties that you can't create any tempo or intensity, then you're, Munster don't have the, for me, the... Then the plan B to be able to 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 win a game when they don't have tempo or intensity. 
the kicks from hand, 28 to 21. So, Connacht, you know, you have to kick it. And the average is probably 20 kicks a game for most teams. It can be more. Um, I saw England win a game in, in Twickenham against France a number of years ago, scoring seven or eight tries, and they kicked the ball 38, 39 times. So you can kick the ball a lot. They have to be intelligent. But 28 kicks from hand. The most alarming one that's kind of been jumping out is the passes. So Connacht have 170 passes and Munster have 45 passes in the game. And 20, 21, 22 of those were from Craig Casey. One of the other stats I looked at was it was 24. So somewhere in the early 20s, those passes were from Craig Casey. So why is that that... Is this a decision, and this is what I can't figure out, maybe you can't either, and maybe our listeners can, can respond to us for next week and tell us what their views are. We have some comments in a minute. Well, why don't we hold on to the ball more, at least try and, even if you're just trucking it up with the forwards or trying to build phases or trying to get to 10, 12, 15 phases, where then you can have a crack with your back line. Because um, I've said this all along, attack isn't just about taking it off the top and the line out, hitting your winger every time. It's about shape, organisation. It's about mindset. Um, there was one situation there in the first half where Damien Dielendek off a line out, got or in the second half, started the second half early on, got a really good um, gain line up the middle and Craig Casey came to the breakdown. It was, it was, it was quick ball and he's, he bounced back blindside and gave the intercept pass to, to, to Kieran Marmion, where the only monster player there was Jack O'Donoghue hanging out in the wing. It was obviously a set move, but I'm just not sure. And I looked at a, a shot from behind the goals. The monster forwards were peeling around the corner there. It was really quick. It was a great opportunity to kind of rip up the script if it was a case of that was a set move, and just give it to the forwards, give them a chance to get into the game, to run at their opposition after a really good gain line the end results, which it can happen, is Kieran Marmion's herring down the field and Mike Haley gets back and stops him. And then they lost a lot of momentum for that. And the real big momentum shifter, obviously, and you, we spoke about this before we came on, was just before half time. So should Munster have done something different there? Should Chris Busby have given a second yellow card, which potentially he could have? Um, and should Munster have maybe taken a scrum when they were down to seven forwards? I think I saw it a couple of times and two passes on, on a couple of occasions. Andrew Conway would have ran in uh, without being tackled. Nobody in front of him. But they kept making the decision to pick and go, pick and go, pick and go. Um, part of me really thought Chris Busby that some of the penalties there from Connacht were really cynical and there should have been a second yellow. But they end up turning over the ball, um, giving away a penalty. And that is such a huge psychological boost to Connacht. If I'm a player there, it's an, you talk about energy, that gave him huge energy. Should Munster have been better there and more clinical? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you take this return fixture last year, Connacht were in a similar position where Munster were down to 13 and they had um, a huge amount of possession on the, and, and the scrum on the five metre line and they turned the ball over. And it's the exact same thing. It's just that the roads are reversed. But that was a huge, that was, a, that was to me was the big turning point. When you're on six to eight minutes knocking on an opposition's line, they're down by um, one player and you show no ambition to ter- in terms of it was literally pick and go or one little pop pass. And, and the big thing is, is that they did try to 
to go to to the edge a couple of times, but they tried at the wrong times. They waited for Connor to set. They waited for them to have. So if if you're on your own goal line, that's when you have your most energy because you're defending your line to be able to get off the line. So that's when the, the you know as an attacking player you're under the most time pressure. One pass that's going to be five or six meters is going to be in the air for too long in that zone. And, you know, Craig Casey a couple of times tried to pass it out to Conway once. But when, when, you, when you have a penalty advantage, is that not the time to just try two passes? Because you get back for the penalty. The communication there, the body language, just like there's teams sometimes get to positions like that. And Munster themselves have been in positions like that in the last number of years that you think the inevitable is going to happen here. They're going to be patient. They're going to be ruthless. And they lack that. And if they, yeah. get se- if they get seven points there, it's 15-3. And I don't care then about possession or territory in the second half. Contain, kick, do what you like, frustrate the opposition. Because, the, again, Munster defence is really good. Out of the top eight in the URC, they've conceded 10 tries. Leinster are top of the table and they've conceded 11. So Munster don't concede a lot of tries because defensively they're really good. And that's one area of their game that there's a positive there. But the big negative is finding a way to score tries and to get over the line. Um, they scored 21 tries, but like Connacht are underneath them in the table. They're level up points, but um, um, Connacht are in eight. Connacht have scored 30 tries. Munster have scored 21 in the URC. So the issue here is scoring tries, being ruthless when you get into these positions. For me, a big thing is being able to play what's in front of you, Quinny. And I think that sometimes when you go up the levels in rugby, and we've spoken about this, you become ingrained in systems and patterns and you kind of forget about actually just playing what's in front of you. Like at one stage in the, in the first half, Munster kick a line out, they're mauling. The mall is on top. Like the mall is actually on top and we're going quite well. Case takes it out and just kicks it down the line. When we're actually in top, so Connacht are on the back foot. That's obviously a pre-played, um, you know, pattern or play that okay. If we're going forward, we'll just we'll just stick it down there and, and let them play out. We have the ambition to play, and and that six or seven minutes beforehand. And I know in my head that what they were probably trying to do is trying to go Busby into giving that yellow card because you're right. Some of those penalties were very cynical, but I don't uh, think he was ever going to do that, Quinny. Yeah, I know. But so look, if that's if, the case, you've got to be able to change the picture. As I know, saying. and look, I. People, the players, I presume, and, and people involved with the team, like the last thing we want to do is be exposing anyone or going personal. It's not a, this, that's not about this. This is about a collective as players and management. What we see and what's presented to us in that performance and what we saw a little bit in Cast and what we saw in Ospreys and what we saw a fair bit in Munster in the Connacht game in Limerick, we can't hide away from this. It's, it, there's a pattern here. There has been good points. The, the, the Wasp performance, the, the Scarlet's performance, but they, they're too few and far between. We need to see more consistency in attack and more, more, more ambition um, because this is the picture that's been presented and the stats tell you that, that Munster passed the ball 45 times in that game. And, and you know, it's not enough, I don't think. Um, that was a big momentum shifter, obviously, before halftime, what happened there, and we all know that. But um, the other one that Munster were fortunate with and, and was the, the Chris Farrell tackle. Was it a red card? Wasn't it a red card? I think Chris Busby 
phone mitigation. Um, but it could have been a red card. It's not. It's not something that Chris Farrell goes out and does. You know, so he's a very clean player. He's a top bloke. Um, that could have went the other way as well against Munster. So I think overall a very very frustrating night. Um, but we must say, and like I said it at the start, you know, for anyone any Connacht people, you know, and a lot of people say this. Not just we're not just saying it. Uh, they play. They're a good side to watch. And I would just love to see Munster because I do believe that the players, there's enough quality there to show us something better than what we saw we saw on Saturday night. That doesn't give them the win every time. It doesn't make make the make sure make guarantee them a win. Because Connacht are a good side and it's a difficult place to go. But I think it's it's one of those ones that um, was very frustrating and more, the most disappointing was thing was the manner in the defeat. And Johan yeah. spoke afterwards about being disappointed. Everybody's disappointed. The players more so and the coaching staff than people watching, but there's diehard monster fans watching that game and their 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 night is kind of ruined by by what they saw there. And look, I, 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 I do think the, the, the level of frustration is born out of the fact that we know, like when we see glimpses of how well they can play with ball in hand, like the Wasps game, like the Scarlet's game, you know, and we saw, we've seen glimpses in pockets of games that, you know, why would you not do that? But look. And we spoke last week, Neve, about Conor Murray. And <clears throat> one of the things I said, and, and sometimes when you say things, it can be skewed or misinterpreted. Conor Murray's been an incredible player, an unbelievable footballer. He's all wrong game. He's been sensational. He's been world-class. One of the things I meant in saying, kind of for his own sake, is to take off the shackles and just go for it and play more rugby and and not be defined as Conor Murray, the box kicker. Do you know what I mean? And that's unfortunately what he's kind of been labelled with in the last kind of couple of years, not just for, with Munster, with Ireland as well. There's way more to Conor Murray than, than box kicking. There's way more to this team than passing the ball 45 times in the game, kicking it when they should have a cut and have a tack. And we saw that with Damien Dialende at the end. Okay, I think the passing channel was blocked for Damien Dialende's pass and he kicked it and they cleared their lines and they got down the field. But there's certainly more to this group of players. And I understand that, you know, they're missing a number of guys. The international players weren't there, but that team was still good enough to go there and show us more. And I yeah. think, you know, that's that's a given. So they've got to have a, a look. Um, I hope this rut or this period at the moment turns from and that they can produce something and find a little bit of energy and find some performances because it's a very busy couple of weeks. They've got Ulster at home next week, then you're away to Cass, then you've got Wasp, um, then you're away to Zebra and they've got to start winning games and and getting a bit of momentum shift towards themselves as well here. Um, So looking ahead to the Ulster game, what, what, what do we need to see? What's, do we need to see a complete shift in the way they played or just small shifts and more control? I think what, what for me it's about looking like a side that's in control and knowing when to attack, when to kick and just making good decisions and looking like a confident side. Yeah, absolutely. I think also I'll be coming down with lots of uh, confidence, I think, because they've been playing really, really well as well, to be fair to them. 
they've obviously had their own injury issues and COVID issues like Munster. So it's it's definitely something. I think the fact that Munster at home, we've got to see a little bit more ambition in terms of looking to play the ball. And and you're right. I think it's about decision making. I think it's about being able to get to the cold face of that that game line and, and be able to make a decision there as opposed to, you know, pre preempt the move before the ball's even thrown in. And I felt like against Connacht the other night, that's kind of something that kind of was a little bit obvious, like that Craig Casey intercept. I think that that's a preempted move. That's not looking up and seeing what's in front of you. And I think they've got to shift their mindset away from that structured pattern play a little bit and be able to, I suppose, see where the space is and then have the ability to be able to get the ball to that space. Um, but you just got to see small improvements. I think you're looking like going out to ask for something absolutely, you know, different from what we've seen in the last while is just not realistic. I think you've just got to see small little pockets of change in and around certain elements of the game, a little bit like their decision-making, like their ability to play to the edge, like their ability to see what's in front of them and, and be able to go and, and have a crack off. But um, it's going to, be, it, I'd say this week, training for those lads will be, um, should be, you know, high intense sessions where they're starting to pull the best out of each other because um, you can't just fit that on on a Saturday or Sunday. Is this, is this do the coaches need to take control here or player control here? Um, I would say myself, from my experience, a bit of both, but I, I, I'd love to see the players take control here and um, the internationals will be back this week. Um, Johan has had to to kind of rotate a little bit and try to get people game time. But I just think from here on in, there's a block of certainly these three games, Munster have got to pick their best team each week. Um, not based on I, this fella needs a game, that fella needs a game. I think they need to pick their best team because Ulster will go down, as you said, with Dan McFarland has said that. And they had their moment, their real negative performance against Connacht and the Aviva where... Kind of destroyed him, made him look so average. And those kind of games are games that really open a can of worms and people start dissecting the structure, the system, the players. Um, but they've kind of rallied and getting that win in Claremont, they were exceptional and they showed something that um, they'd been lacking, a real mental strength to go to go ahead in the game, then for Claremont to, to come back and then for them to rally again and get a brilliant result. So... For Ulster to go down to Thoman Park on Saturday night and get a result, it's not it's not something that's a crazy suggestion. They can they'd be a very, very dangerous proposition for a Munster side who, whether they admit to it or not, they're in a difficult place. They're a little bit like Man United at the moment, that they can't they can't shake off the negative side of, of things. And that's sport, it can happen all teams in sport. Um my own Liverpool are on a bad run as well, so it wasn't a good weekend for me. They uh, 2-0 up against Chelsea. But it can happen in sport. You know that, Neve, at any level. This is a dangerous proposition, um, as we said. And Ulster have got to, or Munster have got to find a way here to, to not just get a win. They, I think they need a performance here, don't they? They need yeah. a performance. Yeah, I 100% agree. I definitely do think that. And I think you just said something there that is so important that they need to pick their strongest team for the next three weeks in a row. That then garners confidence and momentum. It's probably something that they haven't had very much this season because it's been such a stop-start three or four months for them, really. Do you know what I mean? Okay, they had the first five games, but they were still 
you know, chopped, changed every week. And there's no settled. It's very difficult to find a settled monster team at the moment because they're trying to find game time for all these lads. I think big thing for Connacht and Ulster, to be fair, is that maybe their squad strength and depth, you know, plays a hand that they have to play mostly the same team week in, week out. You don't see that with Munster. And that's definitely something that's been lacking. And in order for them to gain confidence and trust in each other and and understanding that they know exactly where yeah, and, and timings and, and all that they, it all figures into that's that's a good point because you know you're trying to keep everyone happy and I know that that that's the plan and Munster hadn't had the opportunity to give guys game time, but it is it's essential here that they play uh, as strong a strong attack team as possible and and try and put out a lot of those guys again not not all of them some of them will pay the price for the performance but they need to get three big these are three big, big weeks from now yeah and i sometimes i say it isn't about performance about getting the results because you've got to dog it out that was a dog fight in connacht and they couldn't get the results they've got to get a performance here this isn't about scraping a winning in Solster, um you know 2018 or 2015 or 17, 10 or something like that. I'm not saying that's going to happen, um, but they've got to get a performance here, a, a real energetic performance because going to cast the week after is going to be difficult. Just looking at the table, Ulster third, uh, they've played seven games. They've lost two. They lost to Ospreys and Connacht, which were two really disappointing results for them. And no team really goes through the season, maybe bar Leinster, who have over these games. You can't win all the games. Munster have played six. Um, they've won four and lost two. They're on 20 points. So if they beat Ulster, potentially with a bonus point, and that sounds kind of a big, a tall order, but I think that that's something they should be targeting. They should be going out to really pummel Ulster if they can. Um, Ulster are not going to lie down and allow that to happen easily, but I think it's not a crazy suggestion, but... They can get up to fourth anyway. Ospreys have two games in hand on, on 22. So, and we know from the way the results are, you know, Munster have a lot of tough fixtures in the rest of the season. They've got Zebra. At the end of January, they've got Zebra away. Then they're home to Edinburgh and the Dragons. Um, and then those two South African games during the Six Nations, they're going to be really difficult games. So hard games to win. And I don't think Munster can afford to lose another three or four games. I think maybe one or two uh, between now and the end of the season. They have to play Leinster twice. Um, they play them at the start of April in the RDS, and we don't know whether the, where the other fixture is going to be in the one that was cancelled. And their running is difficult. Leinster, Munster, Ulster, Munster, Munster, Cardiff, and then they're away to Glasgow in the in, in the last game. So they've got to they've got to turn their season around a little bit and find some sort of even though it's not a dreadful season because like by any manner of means, they've only played eight games. So maybe we're overreacting here, are we? I just think they've just got to find momentum now and momentum will bring confidence. And it's very difficult to find momentum when, you know, games are cancelled or postponed, but also in games when you're, you know, trying to find, get to the pitch of the game as quickly as you can and just, you know, two stop starty because your own fault, the opposition's fault. And um so yeah, look, I just think that they've got to come into this weekend looking at their ability to hold on to the ball, um, their discipline 
and then to be able to create that energy and intensity off the ball by their work rate and there are three big things like they, and they're three very s- simple things that they can they can completely focus on this weekend and then that then should you know bring them to the next level in terms of they, they've just got to be better right across the board yeah. I think and um, again it doesn't guarantee a, uh, to beat Ulster or you know, because Ulster, Ulster are a dangerous good. side, and if yeah, you let them play, good. it can be very dangerous. But I think it's a game, and, and that's not being disrespectful to Ulster. The Munster should and have to win this in normal times. Um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be crazy to say that you'd be targeting trying to get a, a bonus point win, but at the moment you just don't know. So no. it's not all bad. Like they've played, they've played eight, six, six URC games and two in Europe. Um, They've lost two games, so it's on paper it doesn't look so bad. But I just think there's a danger here unless they change something and, and hold on to the ball and try and play a bit that this season will peter out and we'll see more of these type of results. So they've got to fix this themselves, players and coaches alike, get the game plan um, and try and find a way of playing more rugby. And having a go, that's that's like they can, people can criticise us and say we're I don't find any enjoyment in this. And I, I've criticised Monster before and I've said this. There's no enjoyment in this. There's no trying to elevate my status in this. I want them to do well. And I, there's no guarantee that they, they will win a trophy this year. But I think everybody wants to see them playing better rugby and at least having a go and trying to, to play that better rugby. So... Let's hopefully they hopefully they can see this themselves and maybe make the change. And at least some of these these players are better than this. Um, you can always drop your 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 focus and concentration a little bit. And I've been on brilliant teams before that we went out, we expected it to happen, we sat back, we weren't at the right mental pitch, and we were beaten in games. And that can happen any team. But there's a, they're in a precarious position now that they've got to change this, and it has to be. I would say player-driven first and foremost. So try for players to step up to the plate here, show some leadership that we didn't see the other night, that again, Johan said that he expected the leadership um, to deliver and there was good leaders out in the field, but we didn't see that. So the players have got to do this now themselves. And um, like I say, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it will certainly um, change the perception that's out there of this team and the position they're in at the moment. Um, just before we come on, we heard some good news. We both agree it's good news. Graham Roundtree has signed on for two years. Um, that that is something really positive. I think the negative from uh, another negative is John Klein is is injured. He's gone for a scan, potentially out for a while. Jason Jenkins is after picking up another injury. It just hasn't worked at all for Jason Jenkins, and and again that doesn't help the situation because he's a big, strong, physical guy who's getting well paid and I'm not blaming him, but from a business point of view, it's, it's been yeah, really, look, I think... really bad. And, you know, RG Snyman, we know about that. You can be very unlucky as players, but maybe Munster having no luck with these players at the moment. But Graham Roundtree is something I think that's a really positive move. Yeah, super. I'm such a big fan of him in terms of coaching philosophies, how he deals with players, management, I think yeah, he's super and he's settled really, you know, really well into that role. I don't know if you've ever gone down to watch his, any transitions of Munster, but the intensity in which he calls things, so, and the simplicity in terms of, they do the same things all the time, 
but they do it with less time and more time and it's his ability to be able to you know to bring urgency in and around that pack I just think is brilliant and um so yeah look I think that that's a brilliant bit of business for for Munster and I think knowing I think, that something I, is stable yeah I think in a very unstable unstable time and maybe a little bit of negative time with the with, with the performances um and with Johan leaving and Stephen Larkham leaving I think um keeping a little bit of continuity there um with Graham I think but he's also he's world class and he's a t- he's, he's a top yeah, guy he's old he school as well I, I I played against him um he's coached on 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 lines tours I think he's popular amongst the players and he's someone who will try and keep working and trying to get a harder edge for that pack I think yeah. it's still work in progress because and it's difficult it's very difficult to get some sort of continuity with your pack of forwards or your backs when there's a lot of chopping and change and games cancel so there's the mitigating factors but this is this is good news that Graham Rowntree has signed. I think potentially could be a head coach, depending on way this whole uh, replacement of of Johan Van Grand and Stephen Larkin goes. Mike Prendergast is the other one that's been touted. Um, so Graham Rowntree could step up and be a head coach, and then they may get some other coaches underneath. We don't know yet, but keeping him involved, um, he, he knows the players. He knows the. Like you think, there's a complete sweep of new coaches there. They've got to get to know players again. They've got to learn and understand guys. He knows the players inside now. He knows the ones that are putting it in, the ones that maybe are not who need to be better. And they're the small things. And and I like him. So I think he's he's an important uh, part of 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 uh, of Munster going forward and that bit of continuity that you can keep there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's brilliant, great bit of business for them now, and that's one little box ticked, I think. And um, hopefully, we'll start to you know get some other continuity and and choices in terms of the direction that once are going to go soon. But yeah, think- and so and some of the some of the people I believe that are in for the coaching job, the head coach job, um, there's some big names in there. So we'll that's something to maybe come out in the next few weeks. And but I just think the sooner. It's not something you can rush through here, but hopefully we get some positive announcements in the next few weeks around who's taking this team forward and the and the direction they're going. Because the direction at the moment, we're not really sure because we and and we can't see it. So they need to give some direction. Um, so listen, we no enjoyment in in chatting about that game um, because it was a really difficult one and a negative one. Um, hopefully it'll really be a little bit better we've got to leave it there we'll be back next week to re- review the what we hope will be a better result against Solster and Thomond Park and Castor Iden and, and the trip to France the following week against Cass so um, thanks again for joining me Neve, and uh, I'll talk to you next week talk to you next week the Monster Rugby Podcast Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs nobody knows Monster Rugby better